Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. someplace um if you are listening to this Juan Carlos Stanton has already hit two home runs in his Yankees uh his Yankees career and he has played just a single game so I figured we should start the show with some successful New York sports teams because the Rangers aren't (laughs) um I'm joined by sick Mike not sick in the head I mean kind of is but Mike has a throat issue so um, you know, he's, his throat is a little sore. Um, <clears throat> anyway, welcome to the show. It is uh Thursday and we're in your ear right now. Uh, we didn't talk pro- last week, but we, we oh yeah, that's right. Week. That's yeah. what I was going to say. A couple of programming notes, apologies. Uh, last week, I think everybody had something <clears throat> going on and the, the timing just did not work out, so we apologize. Um, that also brought to light the second thing that I am going to tell you, which is that at some point in the near future, and I'm not sure how imminent it, it could be next week, um, it might be over the summer, I, I think we're going to move the show away from live recording and um, do a recording and then uh, put it up on archive for all of you to download the same way that you do now. Most of our, I would say 90% of our listenership comes from the archive we kind of force you guys to uh listen to the tony time on archive anyway so i just i don't i just dropped something i don't think it's going to be a big deal um i'll just shoot it better sound quality is is, is right we we do we were kind of listening back on some of the shows and we think we can make some pretty major and dramatic changes to the sound quality if we have access to the actual show itself um, and doing a little bit of uh, adjustments to them. So right now, that is impossible to do while the show is live. The show just goes up the way that it it gets recorded, and we have had some issues with sound in the past. So we are always looking to make this a better experience for you guys, and that is one of the things that we've kind of circled back to, that it might be a pretty good way for us to improve the quality of the show. So um, again, if there's major, major, major backlash to it, and I can't imagine there will be, um, you know, we'll, we'll definitely, we'll make an adjustment, but as of right now, I don't think that, uh, I don't, I don't think there's going to be. Anywho, Michael, how are you doing today, my friend? I already told you I'm sick. Why don't you listen to me? 
because you're sick. I don't listen to sick people. Um, you know what the good thing is? We don't have live in the name of the show. Like it would be a lot true. more. There's nothing. Yeah, there's nothing like that. It'd be a all. lot of much bigger deal if we were like bantering live or some nonsense. But it's true. There's none of that. You can just stay on brand. Stay on brand. Stay on brand. It's very important to stay on brand. Um, speaking of staying on brand, there's only a precious few games left here, Mike. Five. Just a couple. Five. You can count five. them on one hand. Five, yeah. And um, the, the pain is over, everyone. There's no more hurt. It's true, because you know what's coming now. You know that the Rangers aren't making the playoffs. At this point, mathematically, they are eliminated. So um, it does take away some of the, I guess, because there really were people who thought the Rangers were going to make a run down the stretch. Um and I think we all knew that that was absolutely not possible. But the reality of the situation is that um, there were still people out there who thought that it was possible. And it's not happened. So that's good. Um, Mike, you, you watched the Rangers play, right? They've obviously called up Heedle and, and Anderson at this point. But um, mm-hmm. you and I were just talking off the show. There's a bunch of, of difficulty in terms of evaluating this roster just because of who they are. But um, have you been surprised at maybe the amount of games that the Rangers have won? Um, I don't want to say that they haven't embraced the tank because what team really does embrace the tank, but are you just a little, a little surprised at kind of the way that this has gone post trade deadline? Uh, a little bit. I think what has been the biggest takeaway from how the team has played, uh, is, you know, what what they look like compared to what they look like before the deadline. And I think the lesson we're learning here is that overall, they still have enough talent specifically on offense and in net where they're capable of beating teams, you know, that punching above their weight. Um, and, you know, Lundqvist has just kind of refused to admit uh, that he's on a sinking ship. Um, with his play and the Rangers power play is still, you know, it's, I think the last I checked, it was eighth in the league. And that's with, you know, a lot of kind of moving parts and a lot of kind of interchangeable parts that have been plugged out and plugged in. And I don't know, the, the thing that obviously stands out the most when you watch the team play right now is a defense that is, uh, I'm not sure what what's the word we want to use, Joe. We we use a lot of the same words. I often say cobbled together or uh, or desperate, but uh, I don't know. I I look at this defense, Pionk, Stahl, uh, you know, O'Gara and Shea and Sproul, Sproul and uh, Gilmore, and uh, yeah, it's a it's a it's a whole thing. I don't know. And like you mentioned before, it's really hard, I think, for us to really get a good idea and analyze what specifically what guys like Gilmore and Pionk look like, because in particular, Pionk, he's playing such tough minutes and he has, you know, really, really hard assignments. And the underlying numbers suggest that he's, you know, obviously getting killed in possession and things are not going well in terms of when he's on the ice. The Rangers aren't doing well, but he's also stapled to the hip to Mark Stahl. And, 
you know, Alain Vigneault is convinced that, you know, Mark Stahl is really the only guy there uh, who he can really trust with those tough minutes because Brady Shea has definitely fallen out of favor. And the rest of the defense right now is a bunch of guys who, you know, a couple of months ago, we would have said, well, who the hell are they? So I, I'm not, I'm not surprised they found a way to win games. I am surprised that uh, they've won as many games as they have. It, it's like a, it's like they don't know what's good for them, Joe. All things being equal, I just want them, the the kids, to play well, but for the team to lose. And I know that might sound uh, frustrating to some fans, but it just it it doesn't make sense for this team to be. I mean, obviously, you go into the locker room, you tell guys play hard, you know, try to win and do all that. But the uh, it's it, it's a it's a silly, strange thing that they were kind of mathematically in the playoffs for as long as they were. Uh, you know, obviously, a lot of that has to do with other teams kind of crapping their bed. But, yeah, they the Rangers stuck around for a while. Now they're mathematically eliminated. And uh, now we're enjoying Nemesnikov, Buchnevich, and McLeod as a fourth line. Well, and here's there's really two things that I find surprising. One, I agree with you. I think it is somewhat shocking that the Rangers have won as many games as they have, considering they're they're pretty much running with four Hartford defensemen. I mean, there's no there's no other way to put it. These are just guys who are not in the NHL. Um, you know, they are now, but they weren't at the time. And you, you take a look at this group as a whole, and you're missing some of your best players. McDonough is gone. Shattenkirk is injured. Uh, JT Miller is no longer there. Uh, Rick Nash is no longer there. Nick Holden doesn't really hurt at all. Michael Grabner, who added a lot of offense, is now gone. And, um, yeah, the Rangers winning these games, it's its a little surprising. We we did talk about the contract factor. There are guys, many of this team is – many of the players on this team are players who are looking for new contracts. And that is always going to increase the level of play that you're getting, the heart that you're getting, the – uh, just general effort that you're getting. So it's kind of impossible to say, oh, embrace the tank when a guy like Ryan Spooner, well, his next contract depends on whatever it is they're about to do, and, you know, whatever statistics he's putting up. So, um, but I have been, you know, also surprised at the fact that Vigneault said before the game um, yesterday, right, again, before Washington on Wednesday, that he thought the Rangers were good enough to get into the playoffs until um, until Jeff Gordon kind of stepped in and uh, made all the trades and made the announcement that they were selling and made a comment like, you need to respect that decision. But uh, it's just this level of delusion that it's, he still thinks that Cody McLeod being in the lineup is a good thing. He still thinks that playing Buchnevich and Nemestikov on the fourth line is a good thing. He thinks they put all out on the ice. And, and that ended up actually being a good thing because – Stall was part of the defensive breakdown that allowed the Capitals to tie the game and to end up winning in overtime. But I am a little surprised that the Rangers are a winning. I'm also a little surprised that Vigneault was really that delusional, maybe about this group and about where they were heading. Um, all of that said, maybe three weeks ago, four weeks ago, you and I were talking about how. 
John Gilmore has probably earned a spot on this team next year just because of the way that he's been playing. And now I think it's completely twisted to Pionk, who has been maybe better than anybody thought he would possibly be. I mean, I, I, I know I didn't expect this out of him. He played 26 minutes plus against Washington. He had a couple of gaffes, of course, but he was a, an absolute monster. Yeah, against Washington. He has, you know, it's uh, 14 points he's playing in against 23 monsters. games. I mean, he's got 14 points in 23 games with the Rangers. We are talking about a guy who is almost a point-per-game player for the University of Minnesota Duluth in the NCAA, but this is a 22-year-old. Um, and but young I, boy. The reason young I boy. bring up this young boy, this young lad, I really do think that he's sort of replaced. Next year, you're going to have stall because there's no way the Rangers are buying him out this summer in a rebuilding year. It doesn't make sense. No, it doesn't make – mathematically, it makes no sense to buy stall out this year. You have Stahl, Shattenkirk, Shea. Those are your three. You would assume Anthony D'Angelo is going to make the team. You would assume. Um, that leaves room for two of Pionk. Uh, Smith. Smith, who I, I Gilmore. think Bob McKenzie said the other day is going to be a refresh look by the Rangers, that this was sort of a learn-your-lesson year. So if Smith comes back, then it's between Pionk and Gilmore for that final spot. And three weeks ago, during that blizzard, when I thought the tree fell on my house, I would have told you that that was Gilmore's spot to lose. And now Gilmore's lost it, because in my mind, Pionk has just become anything and everything the Rangers could possibly expect of him. And, um, yeah, I'm curious what your thoughts are on that, Mike. Yeah, I, I, you and I talked a little bit about Pionk before the show. And, you know, to me, he's, he's a guy who I, I've really grown to appreciate how good of a skater he is. Uh, I didn't, you know, I didn't really get that impression uh, when we had our kind of our first, you know, look at him and what he can do. And, you know, obviously he's getting a lot of ice time and, you know, with D'Angelo out, he's getting some more time in the power play and all that ice time has resulted in him picking up some points, but uh, he does a lot of little things that I find encouraging. He does make, you know, mistakes that young defensemen make. And, uh, you know, he can, you know, get himself in trouble. But I, I look at overall, you know, I, he's he's a lot more comfortable with the puck on his stick than I thought he would be. And that's been, uh, that's been something that's been really encouraging to me because, you know, you and I mentioned before, <clears throat> before the show started, like, it's a big deal when you're when you find a guy as a college free agent who can play the right side, who you can trust in in a role like this, the the role that he stepped into here. And I I feel like he has all the potential in the world to be a very steadfast and reliable third pair guy next year on that right side and. You know there there is a vacancy there, and in many ways, with the way he's played and you know his decision making and and the things that he has going for him, particularly momentum, he might have you know a leg up even on D'Angelo. But I I would hope that we get to see D'Angelo get a very extended look and get every opportunity in the world because I know the last time we talked, I think we talked about just how awful the timing is or timing was for D'Angelo's injury. I mean, 
there literally there's no other Rangers prospect uh, who needed, you know, this kind of extended look up, you know, with the big club getting getting a taste of NHL action like D'Angelo did. And, uh, you know, just the hockey gods can be pretty cruel, but Gilmore was so, so flashy and exciting early. He had that overtime goal. You know, he used his, he was shooting all the time. He was skating so well. We all know, you know, the, the best skater at the AHL All-Star game and, you know, all these little things that make you kind of just scratch your head and say, well, what the hell do we have here? And then kind of, you know, Pionk has kind of emerged as the guy who is clearly has the trust of the coaching staff. I mean, I feel like in some ways their hand might be forced because of not having a great op- a lot of great options on the right side now, but he's he's done everything you can ask a rookie defenseman to do, and I think that's the thing that has impressed me the most. You know, you mentioned at Minnesota Duluth, and that was just last year. You know, he just has his AHL experience and his NHL experience this year, and he's kind of he's kind of been great. I mean, all things considered, I know what I know what the uh, the analytics say, and I you know I, I've I've written about him, I've I've dug into it, and but the eye test looks really good. I mean, he he'll make his mistakes, but he also does a lot of little things that make me really encouraged and, and excited about, you know, he looks like an NHL defenseman. And it's not just little moments either, right? Pionk has sort of been the guy that, again, three three weeks ago, we were talking about how Gilmore might slide into that D'Angelo vacancy, and, and it really has been Pionk. Pionk led all Rangers defensemen last night against Washington, and Washington well, is one of the better teams this. in the league. What do you think has been better, uh, you know, since the last time we did our show, did the show in the last two weeks? Who stood out to you more, Pionk or Shea? Well, that's a loaded question because Pionk, it is a anything question. Pionk does that's good um, stands out way more because it's Pionk. Shea does the right thing, and I think, okay, that's Shea. He's supposed to do the right thing. Um, but the past month, Pionk has been the better player. I think he's put up more offense and he's kind of, there's just been a little bit more of a wow factor with him. And I'm just, you have to be excited about the fact that the Rangers had so many, I don't know, just anchors on defense and just making all these wrong decisions and getting talent like Pionk is akin to getting a VC or a Buchnevich or you know, all of these guys that the Rangers have gotten that they haven't drafted. And we are seeing the Rangers sort of turn focus to a team that is capable of um, building up a farm system again. I mean, they have nine draft picks the first three rounds this year. There's a lot to like. They've stocked their coffers with yeah. some of the better Uncle prospects. Uncle Bob thinks Tampa we're going to move a bunch of them. Yeah, there's just, you, you know, there's a lot going on right now for the Rangers. And I am thrilled that a guy like Pionk, who at 22 can kind of stand out, may make his mark next year. Um, I, I, I don't know if he's going to replace D'Angelo. That's a really interesting question. I think, first of all, before we can even begin to evaluate next year, we need to know who the coach is. And uh, I, I think that's going to be the most important factor because the new coach look at D'Angelo and tell him, hey, kid, this is your last shot. This is a fresh slate. Um, does he treat D'Angelo the same way that Vigneault did? I mean, if Vigneault is back next year, this, the, the 
we're going to have to burn a lot of shit to the ground because it's going to be absolutely ridiculous. But um, yeah, what's what sort I, of fresh look are guys like D'Angelo and Smith going to get if Vino is still here? And I think, uh, you know, the answer to that is not a fresh look at all. It's, you know, they already have kind of, both of them are not in a great place. And also, I would, you know, it, it's also worth mentioning Buchnevich. You know, it's having a, a fresh set of eyes behind the benches is important not just for those three guys, but for the whole shift in philosophy in the team. And I know it's something we harp on a lot, but it's uh, it feels like it's it's a no-brainer, which is why it might not happen. I guess. You're talking about Bukinovic, who, I mean, could have 50 points this year. He'd, he'd need a hell of a streak in the last five games, but it's possible. He's got 42 right now. Um, just there's a lot. Again, another player that the Rangers have a lot of offensive players that can kind of use that new look behind the bench and uh, youth specifically. I feel like the only youth that's really thriving right now, Kevin Hayes seems to be thriving in spite of Vigneault. Fast seems to be the only one that's really kind of um, exploding onto the scene. But uh, I'm just, I don't even want to talk about Vigneault because... First huh? liner, Jesper Fast. I know, Jesper Fast, first liner. Uh, I don't even want to talk about Vigneault because in my head he's fired. I don't, and I, I just, I don't even know what to say. I think that's outside. in your heart, but. It is in my heart. I just, he, he can't, I would be stunned if he was back next year. Um, and uh, yeah, that would be awful. Um, the other thing Mike and I were talking about, and Pianc and Gilmore specifically, it's very difficult to Point. judge the New York Rangers right now. It's very difficult to judge players on the team right now. Just, just because of how bad they are. Um, Spooner has 15 points in 15 games. Nemestikov has two goals and one assist in 14 games. Um, definitely a little bit of a difference there. But I, I just, you were saying before, Mike, he's gone so cold that it's like ice cold. Yeah, I was glad. Should we be, should we be worried about that little Vladdy? And I'm not. It's it's really tricky. I, I think, and I was looking specifically at the last seven games. You know, and in that last seven games is kind of from the last time we talked. And in the last seven games, Vlad doesn't have any points. Uh, he's a minus five for those of you who care about plus minus. And his time on ice per game is 15 minutes 18 seconds. And in that same seven games, you know, Spooner who you know, kind of can't escape being compared to Vlad because they're kind of in the same, you know, what role are they going to be as potential centers uh, moving forward here? And, you know, they're new guys, and so they kind of can't escape being compared to one another, and I'm certainly not helping that right now. But in the last seven games, Spooner has just a goal and an assist, but he was so hot early on that it's, you know, it almost doesn't matter. And, of course, he scored... Uh, you know, last night against the Capitals on what was uh, Leah Sanderson's first primary assist in the NHL, his first assist as well. And I guess we should mention that. Leah had his first goal as well. So uh, that was that was pretty great to see. But uh, I, I don't know if I'm too worried about Vlad. I, I, I think that I talked about it right off the bat when we first got him. You know, his numbers... He's a very, very solid three-zone center. Uh, but he's not, like, 
He doesn't have the potential to be a star. And people look at his numbers and they say, you know, what are you talking about? Look how good his production is. Well, he was playing with Kucherov and Stamkos, where, interestingly enough, that's where J.T. Miller is currently playing. Um, and I know you tweeted Miller the other day, Joe, that, uh, and 13 yeah, games, 13 no. points in 13 games. And, you know, Ranger fans who might be, you know, shifting uncomfortably in their seat reading that, remember, you know, he's playing with uh, the, the best two guys you could probably play with in the league right now if you want to be on a line. Um, in terms of duos, but I, I look at Vlad and as a guy like you know what if if all he turns out to be is a really solid uh, third line center who you know can move up into into the second line and you know kind of be there is I have no problem at all moving forward with Zabinajad Hayes and Nemesnikov as the top three centers. I think it's it's a really interesting and full of potential group. I still don't think we've seen the best of Zabinajad, who, by the way, has been on an absolute tear. And like you said with Hayes, he's kind of succeeded in spite of uh, the things that Vino has sandbagged him with. And, you know, Hayes is, I think of all the Rangers who, you know, stuck around uh, after the deadline, Joe, I think Fast and Hayes, and Kreider and Zib are the guys who kind of, you know, have flourished with, you know, Kreider had always had opportunities and Zib had always had opportunities, but Fast and Hayes have really kind of stepped into bigger roles. And I think in the last seven games, Kevin Hayes, is, his ice time is 19 and a half minutes. I mean, he's, he's on the ice a lot for the Rangers and they need him to be, and he's been great. Um, but it was in terms of Vlad and, and how cold he's been, I, w- I would say concerned, but also, you know, in the last two games, he's been on the fourth line with McLeod and Booch. And, you know, I, I, I think what he showed us in those first couple of games with the, with his gorgeous goal and everything is like, yeah, he has skill. Uh, I think he just needs to be in the right situation. And it's kind of more evidence that, you know, we, this is probably not the, the the best place to kind of evaluate and analyze players because what sort of impression are you going to get of a guy who's supposed to be a second or third line center when his when he's playing, you know, 12 minutes a night on the fourth line with Bucinevich, who's not used to that role and shouldn't be there as well, and Cody McLeod, you know. Who has about as much are, offensive instincts as you and I do. Yeah, like what? What I, are we, I mean, how are you supposed to give him a like a fair look at him through a fair lens and say, you know, this is what that he was is. Gonna this be is my what question. he is. I don't think. Yeah, we don't know what he is. My my question back to you is going to be fast. Fast has like what seven points? I think his last eleven games or something, or maybe seven points in eight games yeah. on the first line. Yes, with yeah, he has seven, and seven right now. Yeah. Are, are you really telling me that if you put Buchnevich or Nemestikov there? they wouldn't put up just as much offense. I mean, is it really fast? Or is it an example of how Nemestikov was playing with Kucherov and Stamkos and he's putting up points <laughs> while Fast is playing with Zibanejad and Kreider and he's putting up points? And I think it's absolutely more the yeah. latter. This is why you play talent with talent. Who knows, you know, how many points would have gone up for, you know, how many points would have been put up by Buchnevich or Zuccarello or Nemestikov. You just don't. The fact that Nemestikov and Buchnevich are playing together is great. The fact they're playing together with Cody McLeod on the fourth line isn't. And not too great. Vigneault can, but you can know what, supplement. Joe? This might be. This could be a long con because Vlad is an RFA, 
And by bearing him on the fourth line and not letting him get any points, the Rangers could be saving hundreds of thousands of dollars. Well, you know what? I, as much as there's a joke in there, I really do think that this cold stretch yeah. can only benefit the Rangers because I don't think the oh, is be nearly yeah. as expensive as Miller is. I mean, you know what? I meant to do this before and I didn't. And now I'm going to do it now because of the greatest podcast host of all time. Um, JT Miller has 13 points in 13 games with the Tampa Bay Lightning. So when you look at his whole season together as one single entity, it's 53 points right now. Um, I don't know how many games the Lightning have back, call it, you know, have left five maybe. Miller could theoretically get to 60 points this year. Um, he would probably put up a career high because he's only three points away from that. And even if he doesn't, even if he scores no points the rest of the way, he's a 55-plus point player at this point because he had 56 last year. So he's going to be expensive, and I think the Rangers knew that. I would be shocked if Miller was not, you know, a $4.5 million man plus. I really would be. And I don't think Nemestikov is going to be that expensive. I may be wrong, but I don't think Nemestikov is expensive. I just don't don't see that. It's important to remember, yeah, last – I think a lot of people focus specifically on what he did this season in Tampa. Last season, in 74 games, he had 10 goals and 18 assists. He was a 28-point player. And that was, you know, when he was, you know, he's 25 now. So that was his, you know, uh, 20, that was his 23 going on 24 season. So, you know, uh, from 28 points, he's now up to 47 points. Uh, Vlad is who we're talking about here. I mean, it's very easy to when you're talking contracts with him to say, well, you're playing with Stam- Stamkos and Kucherov. We want you to be here. Uh, we're not going to pay you, you know, $4 million a year. Because I honestly feel like he's going to come coming around the neighborhood of three or, you know, something like that. I, I haven't looked at the, uh, uh, you know, what the salary projection is, is for him because I've been honestly a little more intrigued with what the hell is going to happen with Spooner. But yeah, I I look at Vlad as a guy who this this could all end up working out really well for the Rangers. Like I said before, if he's your third center, things are going to be good. He, I mean, he does so he'll much. He'll be twenty six next year. He he does so much other aspects of the game, and, and that is something that you hear a lot of people say about, say Cody McLeod or Tanner Glass. But I don't mean it like that. Um, Nemestikov literally drives possession. He drives offense. Um, if you get 40 points, and by the way, I'm going to eat, I'm going to eat crow here. Cause I told you, I thought Nemestikov could be, and I still do kind of think he could be a 25 goal guy, but now, now yeah, I'm not so I don't know sure. what the hell you're smoking. Uh, well, yeah, you know what it is? It's he's a fast guy. He, he's got, he's got good wheels on him. The Rangers have a lot of pass-first players, so I kind of saw him filling that Grabner role. And you know what? Shut your face. That's what I have to say to that. Um, It's pretty rude of you. It was rude. What what I said was rude, but what you said was more rude. If Nemestikov, I just said Kucherov, if Nemestikov can give you 40 points, and he also brings... Uh, All Russians are the same to you, I guess. he, he, he He brings you 40 points, and that possession game, making the team better when he's out there on the ice, the defensive game. He's worth his weight in gold. And there are people like... 
those points equally among the people? Like yesterday, people are going after Nemestikov now. What are you, an idiot? Nobody thinks Nemestikov is going to be a 70-point player. Nobody thinks Nemestikov is going to be a 60-point player. Even my 25-goal Nemestikov comment had him at a 50-point player, and that was, I think, at the, the higher reaches of what he is. Nemestikov is not a bad hockey player. Nemestikov does all the little things right, and theoretically those little things could turn into a very big impact because – when you're driving possession, you have the puck more. When you're doing all those, generating those chances, when your team scores more with you on the ice than when you're off the ice, you'd think that they'd be in the middle of that. Um, but I, I do think that Nemestikov is definitely going to be a key player for the Rangers if they want him to be. Zibanejad is the 1C. Hayes is the 2C. If Nemestikov is your 3C, great. But there is a kind of flip on that and it's Heedle and Anderson. So let's let's kind of flip the switch here for a minute. Heedle, okay. Anderson played their first two games. Mm-hmm. Heedle has an assist. Anderson has a goal and an assist. Um, both of them looked really good. For whatever reason, Anderson's not getting more than 10 minutes a night. Call it the AV factor. But I have been uh, listen, for as good as Anderson has been, Heedle uh, has been intoxicating to watch. He's been so good and every time he touches the puck, something happens. Uh, he's setting up chances. Him, Zuccarello, and Hayes were awesome together. Uh, which of the two have you been more impressed with, Michael? Uh, like you said, you know, Hedl has the points, but you know, he has that that goal. You know, that was kind of just a bang home goal, and then he had the primary assist on uh, the Spooner goal that I alluded to earlier in the show, where he he sent Spooner up the ice. You know, it was kind of an unremarkable play, but it ended up with Spooner having way too much time and space and uh, beating Holtby uh, low in the lower left side of the net. Um, I think it was stick side. So he's been, he's been. I think he, Anderson's been fine, uh, but Heedle has been kind of. You know, I feel like he's given me more reason to be excited. Uh, you know, he's. I I feel like the thing that sticks out the most to me in two games, he has 10 shots on net. Um, he's also, I think he was, it, it didn't help that he, he got called on like, uh, you know, an incredibly, incredibly soft penalty um, in that last game against Washington. It was like the, the weakest hooking call I've ever seen, but he's getting, you know, more ice time than uh, Leas is. And that's not altogether surprising for me because, you know, he did start the year up in New York and, you know, he's... Yeah, six minutes a night, though. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, but I feel like right now in terms of who the franchise thinks is closer, I feel like Hedl probably has the edge. But honestly, my big takeaway is they've both been... They've both given us reasons to be excited, but Hedl just shows these little flashes of stick handling and offensive awareness and creativity. And he's just so confident with a puck on a stick. Like he just does shit that we, we very rarely see from young Rangers forward prospects. And when we do, we see, you know, kids who are coming out of the OHL or something and, you know, they're trying to pull uh, like a toe drag or something. And then they just get, they lose the puck or they get clocked. But Hedl's combination of, of size and reach and stick handling make him like it's a good word to use. Like it's 
he's like an enchanting player to watch. It's intoxicating to watch him, you know, when you feel like he's got just enough room to make something happen. Um, and like I said, you know, 10 shots in two games with 14 and a half minutes of ice time a night. Sign me up for a kid who was 18. No, he's, you know, what, what was he when we talked about him early, like in October, he was just turning 18. Like he was 17 when he got drafted. So uh, there's a lot of reasons to be excited about just how high his ceiling can be. Yeah. I, I'm Listen, Anderson, Heedle is going to be the better player in terms of offensive um, production. Yeah. And, I don't and, think there's uh, any debate on that. Yeah, yeah. No, I really don't think there's any debate on that. And, and that's not a bad thing. He's and it's not a shot half, at Joe. It's Smith not a shot at Anderson either because Anderson has been, I mean, he's put up more offense than I expected him to. And I'm talking about every level of the game. That was a great goal. He was a superstar yeah. for Sweden in the World Juniors. He had seven points in seven games, 14 points in 24 AHL games, 14 points in 22 SHL games. Um, and he has two points in two NHL games. Um, but Hedl has just that, that oh, something else. And I have been really enthralled with the prospect of Hedl kind of getting this opportunity, and, and we've been waiting for it. And now that it's here, I, I just, um, I, I, like I said, I'm, it's intoxicating to watch him. He protects the puck better than you think he would in the corners. He know, Every time that Hedl doesn't really know what to do, he moves the puck to a dangerous area. I definitely think there's room to grow in trying to force the pass when he's the last man back or – just throwing the puck blindly to the front of the net. But when Hedl is on the ice and Hedl has the puck, something happens. Anderson plays a much simpler game, and Anderson's game is around the net. You saw his goal was around the net. Um, it's yeah. the way that he produced offense in the SHL. It's the way that he produced offense in the, in the AHL. And there's nothing wrong with it. There's nothing wrong with being that type of a player. But Anderson is not going to be a guy streaking down the wing, sniping corners. Anderson's going to be a dirty goal player, kind of, you know, and this is not a direct comparison of, of talent or, or indicative of point levels, but kind of like a Rick Nash. Rick Nash doesn't have a great shot, so Rick Nash does a lot of his offense around the net, and um, that's kind of what I'm expecting out of Anderson. So when I sit there and I watch these two kids play, like it's easy to get excited because they really are going to be the Rangers' future. Um, you know, it, it's just, it's great to watch. And it's something that, you know, the Rangers aren't making the playoffs. You're terrified that the Rangers aren't going to lose enough to get a good pick. And you get to watch Hedl and Anderson, at least. And, I mean, I, I've just been mesmerized by, by Hedl. Um, Mike, what are your thoughts? I, well, I think it's important to point out because you, you mentioned, you know, Anderson's AHL stats. Hedl had 31 points in 45 games in the AHL. And the thing that stands out the most to me about that is just how young he is. You know, I just said before, you know, he's, he's 18 and a half. He's, he's, he's really a puppy. Like it's not, you know, he's, He's not that far removed from being a guy who we were talking about, you know, at the, you know, the under 18s. And I, I look at him as the guy between, between him and Anderson. I feel like he is the guy who has the potential to actually be a star, like a true, you know, 65, 70 point guy one day. And I hope I, I'm not made to eat crow over that, but I feel like that's the, 
that's the kind of quiet and often not so quiet hope among Rangers fans and people who cover the team is that he looks like he just has that little bit of magic in him, you know, that ability to make things happen, you know, and are, are there deficiencies in his game, particularly away from the puck and with, you know, with his physicality and being able to get knocked off the puck? Sure. Of course they are, but you know, he, he's a kid. Uh, and Anderson, I, I, I actually do have, uh, I feel like I want, I want to make sure to say this. Like, I feel like Anderson has a really tough road to kind of, you know, establish himself as someone who was quote unquote worth it. And I only say that because of what he cost uh, the Rangers. And, you know, he, he wasn't the guy who made the team of, you know, it was the seventh overall pick didn't make the team. The 21st overall pick did uh, in training camp. And, you know, he's had, you know, he had the throwing the medal into the stands uh, and, you know, he's been this guy who, you know, has been, I'm not sure he's reached the point of being polarizing or anything yet, but he is a prospect that, you know, there are, he faces really lofty expectations for a guy who, you know, I don't know about you, Joe, but I don't think there's, there's any kind of expectation for him to be a first line NHL center. And that's a weird, uh, that's a weird thing for a guy who's taken seventh overall. You know what I mean? It's, it's a very, it's unfortunately, uh, we have, there's so many yeah. expectations that get like Dylan McElrath was never going to be a 50 point defenseman. And when you take a guy, tenth yeah, overall, right. That they're going to be that type of a player. I mean, Hedl at 21, it's, it's kind of funny. You wouldn't think of him as necessarily like, yes, he's a first round pick, but there are different types of first round picks. And, you know, you don't look at him and think, oh, God, that's got to be a surefire thing, first-line first, first line player. But that is sort of the realistic expectation. <clears throat> Excuse me, I just coughed. That is the sort of realistic expectation of Hedl right now. Anderson, uh, you know, I, I think that Anderson is going to be a second-line a second line guy. If he's a, you know, 60-point player, then so be it. And that's not the worst thing in the world to get. It's certainly not the worst thing to get out of the first round, first round picks are not automatic, but um, you would expect the Rangers to have taken a bigger risk with the seventh overall pick. Go ahead. I, I didn't mean to, to jump you or to just interrupt you. Just keep talking, you son of a bitch. Well, my throat hurts, but I'm doing my very best. Uh, no, I, I feel like that that's the, it's a thing that it's working against Anderson is that he does face, you can tell he's an intensely competitive guy. He cares very much. He wears his emotions on his, you know, on his sleeve. And, you know, he's the sort of fiery guy who's like, oh, this is the sort of kid who's, you know, going to be a leader. He's going to be like captain material. That's what he's made out of. You know, he, he plays hard. You know, there's not a lot of flashiness to his game, but he, he does have skill. Um, and he, he is capable of making big plays, but, and despite the fact that he, he himself is not, you know, he's not a very big player. And that was, uh, I think more than anything, that's what I've kind of noticed about him and just, you know, it's just these two games, but, you know, he's, you know, Leas is 5'11". Uh, he might be closer to 5'10 than 5'11", but, you know, like you said, he, he's been really noticeable around the net. He's been really noticeable in the corners, which is not new. We kind of knew that's the case, but, you know, he, he just, he plays with his, you know, plays with his shoulders lowered. He, he's just going to skate 
through guys that are bigger than him and, and you know, work his ass off. And I, I really hope he gets a fair shake from the media and from fans. And he isn't expected to be a guy who, you know, shifts the entire climate of the franchise. Cause I don't think that's what he is. And you know what? That's fine. That That's, he didn't pick where he was, you know, chosen in the draft. He didn't pick where he landed in the draft. And, you know, I'm saying all of this, of course, after two games of him in the NHL and he has a goal and a primary assist. So he, he's doing pretty fine, but, you know, I, I I do I do think ahead a bit here, and, and I want very much for him to be on the team next year. And uh, it, the other thing that's kind of tricky is I think some people are, you know, kind of more ready to uh, to accept the idea of Heedle, uh playing wing on the team next year. But no one really seems to be willing to, you know, kind of embrace that idea for Anderson. And that's that's tricky when... You know, there's Zabinijad, there's Spooner, there's Nemesnikov, there's Hayes, there's Anderson, and uh, Nieves, too. I mean, there's, it's not, it's not easy if you're a center. Well, Nieves is the big loser out of all this because he doesn't. Yeah, I have, I have an article going up tomorrow about him, yeah. Um, He really doesn't, that is Friday for those of you who are. He got screwed. For those of you the who Evans are listening to the archive, I, I mean, listen, the Evans is a great player. Don't get me wrong. And by great player, I mean like he's a great fourth line player. He'd probably be um, a solid fourth line addition to any team, but he's not, he, he doesn't have a role in this team anymore. I, I do have an issue with the idea that Heedle or Anderson moved to the wing because I do think you're stunting their development in terms of being centers and, being a center is more important than being a wing, but that's going to come down to what are the Rangers doing with Nemestikov? What are the Rangers doing with Spooner? What are the Rangers doing with Hayes and, and all the fun things that come from a question like that? Um, the real concern that I have is where do the Rangers see Hedl and Anderson next year? Because there are expansion draft uh, issues that you need to take into consideration depending on their years of service um, and when Seattle comes into the league, they may need to be protected. Do the Rangers view Anderson and Heedle as players that they want to get into the NHL next year to get the experience? Um, as you've mentioned a couple of times, Heedle's not going to be 19 until next season. So is it yeah, vital to get somebody turning 19? Is it vital to get somebody like him in right away? But between the two, he's the better player. So there's just a lot of questions and the biggest of which is will Vigneault still be the coach next year? Because this is the same guy that didn't even see the need to play. He more than six minutes. Uh, I mean, I don't, I don't even know. Uh, it just makes me angry. Um, but I've been really impressed. I mean, really impressed with what they've both put onto the table. And I do think where Anderson is going to get this sort of edge is that he's a good old North American boy. Um, actually, he's not even a North American boy. He's a Swedish boy, but Sweden seems to he be... He plays North American hockey. He does play North American hockey. Sweden seems to be um, exempt from the whole European bias where Buchnevich is lazy because he's a Russian um, or he's not good in his own zone because he's a Russian. Sweden seems to be the, the exception of that rule. And I don't know, is Hedl going to get the similar, the same treatment that being a Czech Republic player? I, I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen from that in that regard. Um, but I do think that Hedl's yep. already. Yes. 
Um, you ready for some impromptu trivia for you? Sure, I'm ready. I don't think you're ready, but we're going to do it. I'm, I'm ready. I'm goddamn ready. All right, settle down. Um, which Rangers defenseman, since the trade deadline, which is February 26th, so the last 14 games, which two Rangers defensemen have been on the ice for the most goals for at five on five hockey? If you get if say, you get one of them, there's no punishment. If you get both wrong, uh, you have to eat. Um, you have to eat a very small rock, very small. I'm gonna say Gilmore. Nope. You're you're so close to eating a small rock right now. I don't even know. Smaller than a dime. I just want to make. I didn't. Clear. Whoa! So, oh, wait a minute. That's an enormous rock to ingest. Well, you know, these are the rules. This is this is what you agreed to. I, well, I didn't agree to anything. I just didn't say anything. I just allowed it the this to move forward. All right, not Gilmore. Gilmore was like my. Oh, I bet it's going to be somebody that I'm not expecting. Guess. Um, Gilmore was Pionk. on the ice for seven. Pionk is one of them, so you don't have to eat the rock. You're safe. I don't have to eat the rock. So Neil Pionk, I was guessing... 13 goals for, 10 goals against at five on five. Mark Stahl, 13 goals for, eight goals against. He has the uh, the best ratio in terms of uh, the highest goals for. Really? How interesting. I mean, Stahl has been. Stall. He's not getting bought out, so I don't like. There's no people are kind of talking about like it doesn't make sense. Why are you gonna? The payout is gonna be so much more when you don't want it to be, than just dealing with it right now. Um, Yeah, it's uh, it's one of those things. There's no reason to rush it. It's there's an there's a. I also think there's enough intangible. Like he brings enough intangibles to the table where, you know, goddamn. Stepan, McDonough, Nash, you know, even even Grabner in his own way was kind of emerging as a guy who's a leader in some ways. Like having a guy who's had an Anna's jersey for the last couple of seasons still here is not a bad idea. I mean, yes, yeah, especially, especially on, because the team isn't good, and you know they're not going to be good, and that's a totally different yeah. argument than like needing it's a McLeod fun. right now. Yeah, it's fine, and and uh, you know the what a, buying him out next off season is far more palatable because each year you're willing to wait just makes it less brutal. And uh, I, I wrote I wrote you know a piece about Brandon Smith since uh, the last time we we did the show, and I looked at you know what what is because there's been some rumbling among you know fans and writers about you know, whether or not the Rangers should consider buying Smith out. Uh, and I outlined why that's a very bad idea. And the Rangers already have, you know, the penalty from from Girardi's buyout. I mean, it, it's, it's there, and uh, it's not going away. And, you know, next season, Dan Girardi's buyout is going to take $3.6 million in cap space, and the year after that, it's $3.6 million in cap space. And then for the next three years after that, it's 1.1111 continuing million. And you can't just throw out, you know, buyouts like 
you know, there's no there's no penalty. Buying out Smith is is not an attractive option, especially if you you feel like you can get use out of him still. And it, I think it's foolhardy to assume you can't. And there's no reason to assume right that he's not going to bounce back. And if he doesn't bounce back next year, listen, the the Rangers should buy no one out next year. They're not making the playoffs probably next yeah, year. I mean, exactly. They, that's, that's the they bottom may line. Make the there's playoffs. no reason. They may make no the playoffs because of the whole Henrik Lundqvist thing, but you're not going to be cup contenders next year. So eat the season. No. Every year that you eat, you don't have to pay two years on the back end because it's, I think it doubles. If you buy out three years, you have to do payments for six yeah, years. It spreads it. Yeah. You know? um, and you, you just, you're, you're lessening that impact. Um, I do think the Rangers are going to get used out of Smith next year. Call me crazy. I, I really do. And I also think that the Rangers are going to get some use out of having a guy like Stahl in the locker room because if, if you're not trying to win anything, it's not the worst argument in the world to say, hey, you need somebody to kind of help explain the way that this works to the kids. And Stahl is the perfect player for that. Um, if you are trying to win something like the Rangers were, it just it doesn't make sense to make that argument because Dan Girardi hurts a lot more than he helps in the locker room. I'm sorry. It's just the reality. Um, but it is what it is. And I look at this organization as a team that's sort of, uh, they have enough young talent that, and we're going to have to see what the deal is once the summer rolls around. Because I just, I don't know. Yeah, what we the, don't like, know anything until be around? draft day, I think. We don't know what anything until draft day. Is right. I feel like we don't know a damn thing until draft day when we see because you know, draft day, I believe, is day one of the draft, I think, is the 23rd of June. And, you know, it's not too long after that. July 1st is free agency. And in that, you know, in that week, we're going to learn a lot. And we're going to see if the Rangers decide to do anything drastic, like Bob McKenzie uh, might think they, they do on uh, draft day with moving up in the draft. We'll have to see how the lottery shakes out. But you know, the Rangers have an opportunity to move up and to get a guy who can be, uh, you know, a franchise-altering player because there are at least three or four of those guys, three, maybe four, um, in this draft class. And from there, you know, you can either package picks or also the Rangers could consider, you know, what is it, Joe? How many there's Spooner, who's an RFA, Hayes, who's an RFA, Vlad, who's an RFA, VC, who's an RFA, O'Gara, who he's just well. Let's, let's not talk about Rob O'Gara. There's Brady Shea who needs a new contract. Uh, Gilmore needs a new contract. So there's a lot. There's definitely a lot to consider in terms of you know finding finding a spot for everyone and kind of coming to terms and accepting like yeah who who, who can be here? What the I have. Do you have any idea what the top nine is going to look like next season? Because, I, I mean, no, because we don't, don't even we have no idea if Zook's going to be here. We don't know. Even I'm, I'm Kreider, assuming Kreider could be gone. I don't know. I'm assuming that Zuccarello is going to be gone. I'm assuming that one of the Mestikov, Spooner, and Hayes is going to be gone. And I don't think it's going to be Hayes. So I think it's going to be probable that uh, that Zook's gone. Yeah, like, I would you think say it's more than likely. I would say seventy percent oh, wow. gone. Yeah, I, I'm not I, – I have absolutely no – there's no reason for the Rangers to keep him. Not None. really, no. There's no reason Other for the Rangers love. to keep him. 
other than love. And and here's the thing: if you if there's a team that and you know what, let's throw all the cards on the table out right now. Um, Florida, right? They're in a precarious situation. They were in on McDonough. Florida's probably not making the playoffs this year. They're a team that probably wants to make a push. They think they're close enough, right? One of their pick, their second round pick, Adam Mashiner, Masherin? I don't Mas- know how to pronounce Mascarin. that. Mascarin. Mascarin um, mm-hmm. is not signing with them and is going to re-enter the draft. So they'd like to get value back for him. Are you really telling me that the Rangers can't work out a deal with Florida to get maybe a guy like Masherin plus for Zuccarello? Um, if that doesn't work, are there teams that think that they're a piece or two away from being real contenders that won't take a shot at Zuccarello at the deadline? Uh, the Rangers have no reason to keep him. I would be stunned if Zuccarello was on the opening day roster. And not upset, because I love Zuccarello, and I think he's everything that's right about the game of hockey. But for what the Rangers are, for where they are, for who they are, I would be stunned, absolutely stunned, if Zuccarello was on the opening day roster. Um, I think one of Nemestikov and Spooner is going to get traded. And I would have told you that it was definitely going to be Spooner pre, you know, streak of 15 points in 15 games. Now I'm not sure. Um, Hayes, I don't think is going to get traded, but I don't know. I don't know. We don't know. The the Rangers may do. Apparently Gordon is looking at maybe moving one of his first round picks for, you know, young, good hockey players, which is a smart thing to do. Who knows? The Rangers may not have of these players who could fit in it. Like is VC going to be a guy that the Rangers going to resign? I I don't see yeah, any I don't reason know. I don't I don't see any reason to kind of keep VC. I'm not I'm not necessarily. Well, I don't think that's entirely fair. VC is a serviceable third liner. I'm I'm not <laughs> telling you he's not. But what I am saying is that players like VC usually get paid too much money. Oh, absolutely. I mean, and the Rangers can't afford that. A very fair point. Yeah, it, they can't afford to get tied up with VC for term. I think right. you 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 bridge you bridge him and you move on, um, and you bridge him knowing that he's not going to be a part of the solution long term. Uh, you know, and that's I'm sure, you know that there's some aspects of that which are unfair and kind of dismissive of what he can bring because he's another guy who's been playing really hard uh, post deadline. I mean, he's playing. He's also been playing with an edge lately. He's VC's not taking shit from anybody uh, recently, but. Uh, I don't know. I I I, I don't expect because from what we've seen of him now, and it is very important to remember that he's you know 24. You know he's not he's not a puppy. You know he's two years older than Booch. And you know, do you feel like at you know age 25 next year he's going to put it all together and look like a top six player? I don't think no, anyone expects that to happen. He is. Yeah. yeah, this is what. Yeah, you know. This is what VC is. Mike, my turn for trivia. You ready? Okay. Who has more points this year, Jimmy VC or Jesper Faust? Ooh, I'm going to say Jesper. He does. He has four more points in five less games. So, and these compare, like, Buchnevich has right now 42 points. Okay? That's Mm -hmm. what he has. Right now, VC yeah. has. I have to do quick math in my head because um, was never a good math student. And in fact, I'm not even doing it in my head. I'm doing it on my phone right now. VC has 54 points in his career. 
which is 80 games and 74 games. It's what, 134 games? Mm. Buchnevich has almost as many points in 69 games this year. Playing on the fourth line, playing with McLeod, not getting all that much even strength time. So, like, I got into fights with people yesterday who were like, well, you're turning on VC. Nobody's turning on VC. Nobody. Chris Kreider isn't an astronaut. Jimmy VC isn't a, a top-line player or a second-line player. They're, they're facts. It's not turning on anybody. We can be realistic about what we have in Jimmy VC. He's a third-line player. If VC gives you 20 goals and 40 points, it's an amazing year for him, and I don't think he has that much offense in him. He's a volume shooter. The Rangers have a lot of pass-first players. It works. He Great. scores greasy, but, greasy VC goals. But if VC gets a three million dollar contract for the next three years, that's a bad contract for the Rangers. That's yeah. That's that's a nightmare. That's uh, it's not VC, it's not all that different from you know the the Matt Bolesky contract the Rangers took on where right you know it's 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 looking at a guy and seeing him show you know generate offense but also not recognizing where the offense comes from and you know VC's offense I don't think comes from a place of he generates offense himself so he's a he's a kind of a, a vulture guy he's a guy who finds his goals the hard way uh, but he's not he's not beating guys with skill uh, you know he's deflecting pucks He's finding rebounds. He's jamming home chances that are set up by teammates. You know, he's he's finding ugly goals and greasy goals, which count just as much as pretty goals. But you know, he's not a guy who you look at as like, yeah, this is the guy we want to make, give a contract with term to. And that's why I said just kind of bridge him and move on and accept the fact that like, yeah, he can, he'll be here as a guy who we can have, you know, on the third line, for the next two years and then kind of reevaluate and almost certainly kind of say, all right, well, you know, he's not worth further investment, but it might be interesting to see if there's anyone interested in taking him on, especially if it could be a deal that moves the Rangers up the draft board or something like that. Because uh, like you said, we, we already know who Jimmy VC is. And I feel like, you know, that's, that's something that, the front office, I hope, uh, has come to terms with because it's uh, he is a guy who you, who you could make a mistake on. And you know what? The, honestly, Spooner is a guy you could easily make a mistake on right now. And given how how great he's played, I feel like Kevin Hayes is a guy who kind of has to be a part of the solution here moving forward. I feel like he's earned every bit of that role of being the team's future second-line center. And he's earned every bit of, you know, a contract that, you know, is in the neighborhood of four or, you know, 4.3 million or whatever the hell it's going to be. You know, I, I look at him as a guy who who's worth that kind of investment. But Spooner makes me nervous. VC makes me nervous. Yeah, Vlad makes me... Make yes for Foss yeah. money. I mean, he really does. He needs to be, like, if he's yeah. over $2 million, it, 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 like, for a year, whatever. <laughs> a but deal. I don't think that's going to be the very, case. Yeah. Um, no, he can't be that. I mean, Nemestikov is Nemestikov is going to be interesting. Uh, I'm not. I'm not totally sure of. Yeah, he's he's what 25 right now. He's going to be his, right. He's on the bridge, older side. Yeah, his bridge I, I was mean, 1.937 million. You know, so 1.94 mil. 
uh, was the two-year bridge deal he signed in Tampa. And so he's a, he's very tricky. Uh, and as we talked about kind of towards the top of the show, his production this year on Tampa's top line makes him all the more tricky. You know, he, he's a guy who, like I said earlier, you know, last season he had 28 points. And the year before that, he had 35 points. And those are the only, that's it for in terms of like his full seasons in the NHL. Uh, the year before that, in 2014-15, he split the year between Tampa and Syracuse in the AHL. So it's, it's a, it's, he's a guy who I feel like the Rangers could get a bargain on. But I feel like they really need to be convinced that he's the guy who they're comfortable with being their third line center moving forward. Cause that's, uh, right. yeah, and that's, that's tricky when you have, it's a very tough decision to make when you have, you know, blankety blank Anderson and Heedle there and, and, and you need a, you need a spot for them. And do you use this, this stretch as an example of a way that the Rangers could theoretically, drive down the volume or the, the expectation of, of Nemestikov's contract? And I think the answer to that question is yes. Um, the Rangers would certainly be able to put together a convincing amount of evidence, uh, although who knows what who knows what evidence they're putting together with this sophisticated stats package. But to say to Nemestikov, hey, you're not the type of player that you're probably asking X amount of money for. Instead, you're in this class of player. And can the Rangers get Nemestikov, you think, for $3 million? Probably not. Um, can the Rangers get Nemestikov for $3.5 million? Maybe. I, I don't know. Um, but as much as VC, anything over two is a problem. I think anything over four for Nemestikov is kind of a problem. And... Something that the Rangers have done in the past that's been infuriating Carl Hagelin and Keith Yandel, they didn't even, and Anton Stroman actually, they didn't even negotiate with them, right? There was really no negotiation before they were traded or left to not be signed in the case of uh, Stroman. So I would really hope that Jeff Gordon, right after the season is over, touches base with Nemestikov, touches base with Spooner. Um, touches base with VC, you know, all these guys get their numbers and then go from there. Because if you trade a guy like Nemestikov because you assume he's going to be too expensive and um, he turns out to not be that expensive, you're just, you're, you're hurting yourself. And I kind of don't care what the Rangers do if they do two year deals, but anything over two years needs to be really evaluated on the deeper end. And um I don't think Nemestikov, Spooner, or Hayes are taking deals for less two years or less. So just my two cents on the matter. Anything else to add to this lovely discussion, Michael? Um, I really liked uh, Gorgiev while he was up before. Yeah. He gone. His last start. He be gone. I, I'm, I'm, I'm very – I think I'm – pretty comfortable with the idea of him being the uh, the backup next season, actually, or at least having a real chance at it, you know. Because um, another goofy thing to think about is the, uh, you know, the Rangers' AHL starter would have been, uh, you know, Maznick, uh and he had that injury. But he's also, uh, I believe he's also an RFA. Um, yeah, he is an RFA, 26 years old, so... It's uh, it's it's another weird little wrinkle because obviously Pavlik's not going to be back, and uh, 
Hank's old, and you need uh you need a guy who can, you know, play at least, you know, a third of the season. Right. Uh, by the way, I put this tweet up, but I'm gonna read it to you guys because I can. Ryan Spooner, 15 points in 15 Spoon. games. The spoon. Spoon. McDonough, Holden, Grabner, Nash, 17 points in 47 games. Miller. Oh, Nash got hurt too, and that sucks. Yeah, I know. Uh, I mean, and this is again, it, it it's buying at the deadline sucks. Because you're not only giving away assets for the future, but, like, there's so much risk associated Uh, with it. The Bruins got 11 games of Rick Nash. And theoretically, I mean, hopefully he's he's healthy for the playoffs. But theoretically, this could be it for him. And, um, yeah, that's a tough one as well, for sure. It does suck. I mean, not just in terms of, oh, that sucks for the Bruins. It sucks for Rick Nash. I mean... Yeah, it's uh, it's like you know, I, I I saw you know people making jokes about Lindy Ruff who fell at practice and got a concussion, and I don't think there's anything funny about that. It's, no, that also sucks. It's a really, it's a really shitty thing to happen. I don't care what you think of these these players and stuff, but wishing them harm or being glad that they get hurt is uh, is garbage. And uh, it's uh, I hope nothing but the best for both Nash and Ruff and. You know, I don't. I don't need to like Lindy Ruff as the uh, the Rangers' defense coach to appreciate the fact that he's a human being, and it sucks that that happened. And it's also, you know, I think there's some sort of movement about like, yeah, when you're on the ice, even as a coach, wear a helmet. And you know, when a guy is as old as Ruff is, it's like, well, why would I wear a helmet? But you know, it's uh, it's it's about being safe and smart. So. I hope uh, I hope yeah, someone I mean, something happens with that event. This is not Nash's first concussion either. Uh, Michael Sauer got one concussion yeah. and he's he's out for his career. You just don't know. Yeah, Nash is, and, and it's Nash is thirty four in June, so you know. And there's a lot of you know a lot of fans and even a lot of writers and a couple of writers on Blue Shirt Banner just kind of operating under the assumption that Nash just comes back to New York because. Uh, you know, it's it's kind of clear that he wants to be here and all that, but you know, uh, this could be. You know, I think he has made plenty of money, uh, and he might. This might be something that makes him reevaluate because you know, yeah, he's got a really young family, and you know, he he's a guy who's really accomplished a lot in his career, and you know, it's it's not a bad time for him to consider maybe hanging up the skates, but I, I personally, selfishly, I hope he, he stays in the NHL, even if it's not with the Rangers, because I do think he's just, you know, a very special player. Um, but yeah, you know, 34 in June and this happens and above all else, I hope he doesn't get rushed back on the ice. Like uh, I, it was one of those things where, you know, since the last time we did the show, Shattenkirk got shut down and that was one of those things where finally, you know, why didn't this happen a week ago, because uh, before he was shut down, he had that that setback, right, Joe? With uh, two weeks previous, with um, he was skating on the ice uh, in practice, and you know he he had with that that torn meniscus, and there was some sort of setback with his recovery. And it's just, a, what is the point? Why, like, just let the year be a wash and move forward? There's no reason. There's no reason, especially for a guy who is playing on one leg for half the year. Yeah. Like what the what the hell are you doing? And you know it's it's, it's a tricky thing, but you, 
you know, medical staff and front offices have to have to kind of intervene and make sure players are making not just decisions that are like, you know, I want to put the team first. Like uh, your health and safety have to come first. I don't care how many millions of dollars are involved. It's not worth, you know, your goddamn well-being. Um, and yeah, that's the end of Mike's rant. Goddamn well-being. The goddamn well-being. Goddamn. Um, yeah, well, th- this was fun. Thank you, Michael, for joining, even though your your throat is badly oh, damaged. You're very welcome. What do you um, think it costs pay- to get Mastering, by the way? Let me ask you that very quickly. Mm. See, it's an interesting situation the because today. The, the, the Panthers are going to lose him for nothing if they don't strike a deal. So you're really outbidding everybody else. Yeah, so... Yeah, it's a, you um, have, yeah, exactly. You have to just beat the best offer or have the best offer. So what's the best offer you can live with? Well, th- this is an interesting situation for the Rangers because would you move a second-round pick for him? No. See, I, I could be talked into it. Yeah, I don't, this and is, I don't, this uh, comes from the same place as your Vlad's going to score 25 goals. No, this comes from a different place. This comes from a place of logic. Um, well, the reason I say that is because you can the Rangers can certainly make whatever offer they want. And, and Florida, at this, if Florida gets a seventh round pick offer, they, they need to take it if that's the only thing that they have. Um, but you are negotiating against you're, everybody else. But you're willing to go as high as the second, is what you're saying. I, I think Rangers I would worth, be. In this because, case, the Rangers' worst second round pick, which is uh, right because, because the Rangers have a plethora of picks. If a third round pick isn't good enough. Um, you at least know what you're getting in him, right? One of one of the better prospects, I think, um, that would probably be available for purchase in this instance. And he's twenty. And, um, I mean, I mean, if if you if you uh, get a guy, is he twenty? I thought he was nineteen. If you get a guy uh, like him, um, look it up right now. He was, he's he's right nineteen. Now. He'll be twenty on he'll be twenty when he goes back in the draft. He's turning twenty yeah, on goddamn uh, right. June sixth. I mean, you do have a guy who is putting up pretty big numbers and, and doing a lot of really good things in the OHL. You know, now you've kind of talked me out of the second-round pick. Maybe go to the third-round pick and see what happens. Um, yeah, but you know what? He was, you know, in 2016, he was the 38th overall pick, which is, you know, you're getting towards the neighborhood where he's kind of just like a late first. I mean, and the other thing writing- to consider is, is the is the fact that you know he's going to be closer to being NHL ready than a lot of prospects. I think it would be fascinating to get into you know a GM's office and to talk to some scouts and see like if in the scenario where he enters the draft again, where the hell would he go, and like kind of move from that you know move from there. Like what is Maskerin worth right now? And it's I think that's that's a question that the Keep Panthers talking, are desperately run. trying to find out. I just keep making a point. Hang on, I have to bring my child to napkin. Oh, that's, a, that's fine. Your sweet, sweet baby. Um, it, it's as I was saying, it, it's a it's a tough call because Maskerin. I think the reason why he should be as intriguing as I as I would like to believe he is to the Rangers is because you know we spent a lot of time on the show talking about the Rangers center depth, but in terms of you know prospects who can play the wing. I'm back. New York doesn't have New York doesn't have a lot of you know wingers, especially wingers who have high offensive upside. I mean, there's Ryan Gropp, who 
you know, this was, I don't think Blarg. this was a year where he, yeah, he, he didn't do enough, especially for a guy who's also, you know, a former second round pick. And Maskerin is a guy who's going to be closer to being NHL ready than a lot of guys you could find in the draft. But, and he, the other thing about him is he, he just, he's a, he's a shot volume guy with just a, a demon of a shot is the, you know, every scouting report is this kid just has a nightmare of a shot. And, it certainly sounds good considering how many goddamn creative passers there are in the Rangers system and currently on the Rangers under contract. I, I like the idea of going after him. I do get nervous about doing anything outside of a, like we'll give you a, you know, let's say Boston's third round pick, uh, conditional third round pick for him. And I feel like that's about as high as I would go, but you know, it might not even take that to get him. We'll have to see. It might. It might not. I mean, the what I end up looking at is like you said. He's the thirty eighth overall pick. You know. You know what you're getting out of him. He's he's absolutely dominated the OHL the past three years. And I mean, he yeah. was a hundred point guy two years ago. So it's just yeah. Forty this goals year, his this points year. were down, but he had forty goals. Like you said, you know, the year before thirty five goals. The year before that, thirty five goals. And yeah, the Rangers you know, need more shots. Comment on the board today is. You don't get you don't draft guys who score in the in the OHL. But actually, that's exactly who you do draft. You just right. make sure to pay attention to their context. And you know he lost a valuable teammate, and his numbers dropped a little bit, but he still scored a crap ton of goals. And his numbers didn't even drop that much. They dropped like fourteen points. Yeah, and he just scored more goals. And uh, yeah, that's that's what he is. He's not a you know he's not a playmaker. He's a guy who just you know grips a stick and rifles it on net. You know who else grips a stick and rifles it? People who donate Jeff? to the show. Patreon.com slash oh. Blue Shirt Panther. Anthony Viola, John J. Porter, John Reppy, Johnny Lowe, Alex Gardner, Eric Cohn, Alexander Ricard, Daniel DeGen, Matt Bader, 50, Guy from Montana, um, Andrew Grigo, Stink Fleeman, Dan Lynch, Mike Offit, Trevor Kempner, Gabriel Vargas, um, Dan Carosi, David L. Singer, Arch Williams, Bob Kawa, Scott Potash, Darwin Bushman, James Dangles, Alexander Thornton, Danny Santiago, I love that name, Grumpy Smokey, Igor Zetlovsky, Thomas Osa, Chris B., and Michael Silvers. They all donated, and um, they're better than you if you don't donate, so take that, non-donators. Um, if you don't donate to the show and you can't donate to the show or you you just don't want to because you're a terrible person, um, you could at the very least go to iTunes and rate us, give us five stars, and leave a nice comment because it helps other people find us. I think we had 69 why do you, why do you comments. Listeners? Why, why, I am bullying why, why? them. They need to be bullied into doing what's right. I feel like you've only gotten sassier since you and your wife have had the baby because now – you can't put any like vitriol into your in, into your personal life, so it all just gets poured out here. It all just just all explodes out here. Yeah, um, and so these people who are so nice to us and they listen to us talk, even when I'm sick, and you just you say that they're lesser than some of them because they they don't. What if they can't afford to do the Patreon show? Well, I, that's what I said. If you can't afford, you have to like us on iTunes. And the le- but you said the least you could do. The it's least very, you could do, and not only that. But we've also established that your views of uh, Russian citizens are not exactly healthy. 
Well, it's not that it's not healthy. It's just that Buchnevich and Nemestikov and Kucherov are easy to confuse in a hockey context. That's all. I find this all very alarming. I wish Beth was here. She Beth could, would she could throw big professor words at you that I don't have. Yeah, well, you could have them if you read a goddamn dictionary every now and again, but you don't. People don't read dictionaries. You could read the dictionary, Michael, to learn meanings of words. God, what a large faux pas this was for you. See, you would know that if you. Uh, wow, look at you with the with the word. With the goddamn oh, dictionary, huh. just reading it. Um. Anywho, uh, yeah, I, I think. I, I, what is this? I don't even know what's going to happen. The next podcast. How many games? They got five games left, Joe. How many do they win? I'm going to say three. Well, let's look at passes. I don't forget what the hell their schedule. I forget who the I'm hell they have coming up. I'm not even looking at the they schedule. Tampa tomorrow. Right, read it off That's... game by game. All right. Tampa on the 30th. They'll Carolina lose. on the 31st. They'll probably win. And then three games on the road. Actually, what is that? It's, uh, they finished the season with four games on the road. I'm sorry. Carolina's on the road. New Jersey's on the road. Islanders are on the road. And Win. wrapping up the season in Philly on Lose. Saturday, April 7th. Three wins. They beat Carolina, Devils, and Islanders, you think? Yeah. I think they... I don't want them to, but they, they will. Oh, that's... We're going to see Grabner and McDonough. Wait, is McDonough even back in the lineup for Tampa yet? Yeah, he is. Yeah, I haven't paid attention. Um, anywho, love you all, even though Mike doesn't appreciate you. And McDonough has two goals for Tampa. Like he that. does. Beth two is goals well. in eight games. Nick Holden has four assists not even in 13 games you say that. with Boston. So Beth is that. wonderful. You're all wonderful. wonderful. Everyone, be good to yourselves. Take care of yourselves. Be nice to Especially each other. If nice you see Joe throat. on the street, just throw food at him and just say, be quiet. Just tell him to be quiet and make him eat it off the ground. Make him eat rocks. Joe, did you know that a lot of animals eat rocks on purpose because it helps them digest food? Uh, I don't even know how that would work. It's uh, I think some birds do it. Um, I'm not a bird. I don't think it would be good for my digestive tract. I think pretty you sure that it would be cause a bird. pretty serious gastrointestinal or yeah, gastrointestinal harm. So, all right. Well, this was fun. Goodbye, everybody. Mike is a whale. Love They're you. They're called gizzard stones. Gizzard Love stones. You.